You know, it's so often true that as we sing songs, we're reminded of these high and amazing things that we have to be grateful for. And as it is reality that we are broken people living in a broken world, even as we're singing about these reasons that we have to be so grateful, there's, there's tinges and reminders of the difficult or broken areas of our life. Um, and for those of you who know me, I am a diehard optimist. Um, so these, I, I had this wrestling always going on inside me where I am excited about the good things in life. Hopefully that usually means I'm excited about the things that God is doing in life. And I'm old enough to realize that life also has pain. So I have things to be excited about, but this is painful. But right around the corner, hopefully it changes, but, but this is not going to change. And, and there's kind of this wrestling that goes on in us because we have reason to praise and Life is difficult. So it's in the midst of the difficult that we are given gifts. God gives us his empowering gifts of the Son, the Spirit, hope, and love. We're going to look at those four gifts over the course of the next four weeks in this sermon series as we walk through some of Romans 7 and 8, looking at those four gifts. I believe that once anyone looks around long enough and does some self-reflection, you come to the conclusion that the world is broken. Whether or not you're ready to admit that you are broken, you recognize that the world around you is being impacted by brokenness, and that is making life difficult. You see and experience on some level this innate battle between good and evil, between right and wrong. We've seen how in, in literature and in movies over time, this, this battle between good and evil is creatively illustrated. Whether it's from the Lord of the Rings or, or uh, the Wingfeather series or the Marvel Universe movie series or whatever stories come to mind, there's so many of those that creatively illustrate this battle between good and evil, between right and wrong. And we realize that it's a battle going on all around us and even inside of us. Paul describes this battle in a very beautiful way in Romans 7, verses 14 through 25. And I want to invite you to go there with me and listen to these words that Paul, the way he describes this battle in Romans 7, 14 through 25. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. 
Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Paul is describing the battle that I believe you and I see and experience every day on some level. He describes this battle actually going on inside of him. It's sin nature versus spirit. It's law of sin versus law of mind. It's old self versus new self. The creation account gives us the origin story of this battle. We can read in the creation account in Genesis how God, the God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit, the triune God who existed in perfect loving community made the decision to share that loving community with creation. So he creates the world and everything in it. And he does so, he then creates man and woman, Adam and Eve, in his own image so that Adam and Eve can share in the perfect loving community of Trinity. So he does that and then he gives Adam and Eve a law. He says, don't eat from this tree and, and they know that if they have this choice, they can follow their creator, God, and enjoy peace and perfect relationship with him, or they can choose to rebel against the creator, God. So since Adam and Eve chose to rebel against the creator, God, humankind ever since has been born with a tendency to rebel against our creator God, and is in fact stuck. We are stuck in that tendency to rebel against our creator. The Bible calls it sin. Our fourth and fifth graders have been learning recently that the definition of sin is this, to think, speak, or behave in a way that is against God or his commands. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Ever since Adam and Eve started down this road of rebellion, humankind is born with a tendency to rebel against God. We are, in fact, stuck. We are stuck in that tendency to rebel against God. Have you ever been stuck? I think of um, my children when they have a math problem, that they are stuck on that math problem, and I offer to help them, and what sometimes happens is they articulate that my explanations are too long, and actually, they'd, that'll take too long, and they'd rather figure it out on their own. <laughs> so 
maybe you've experienced this where um, you, are, uh, you have a box uh, and you, uh, you need to assemble something and you're working on it, you're working to assemble it and, and you're stuck, you can't figure it out. And you have a caring uh, counsel come in and, and invite you to use the instruction manual. And, and what do you think? You think, you know what? I, that'll take too long. I can figure it out on my own. I, I can think of um, a year ago, I was, had a flat tire on 52 west of town. And have a flat tire, pull over, I know what's going on. I realize... I have car insurance, and with that car insurance comes roadside assistance. I could just call them and they could take care of this. But what thought came next? That'll take too long. I can figure it out on my own. So that's what I did. I got out and I got the jack out, I got the lug wrench out, and I'm, I'm starting to, and, and in this moment, I'm feeling thankful that God has given me still youth and health, that I can do this on my own. And, and I'm taking the lug wrench and I am loosening that, but it's not budging. But I'm remembering you lift with your legs and not with your back, and I'm doing good form. I am lifting, I am lifting, and it's not coming at all. So I decide, well, I need to try a different strategy. I need to start stomping on this thing. So I am stomping on it, trying to loosen these lug nuts, and it is not budging at all. So I realized, you know, I know a few things about physics. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to stand on this thing. Then it's finally going to go. And I have some balance, so I'm going to jump on this thing. I am holding on to the top of the car. I am jumping on the lug wrench, trying to loosen it. And, and it will not loosen. So finally I decide, I need to look up a YouTube video. <laughs> so I look up a YouTube video. And I end up taking that lug wrench and I'm banging on the side of the tire trying to loosen it and it, it's stuck. It is stuck and I can't get it. That's what Paul is telling us. We are stuck. We are stuck in our tendency to sin. We cannot break free. And Paul illustrates this by giving voice to his own battle. He speaks of himself as the two opposing sides. He says, what I, that is the spirit in me, what I want to do, I, that is the sinful nature in me, do not do. So he's describing this battle between spirit and sin nature, between new self and old self, between following the creator God or rebelling against the Creator God. So I want to draw an illustration here for you to, to try to give a picture of what is going on inside Paul. So we have Paul, and as a follower of Jesus, Paul has the Spirit of God in him. But what we also realize, as Paul articulates, it's not just the Spirit of God in him, but he also has this sinful nature inside him. And the Spirit of God in him is at war with the sinful nature in him. So this is a battle going on inside of all of us. And I say all of us to, to even include, in fact, those who are not following Jesus if I think about those who are not following Jesus, we can draw this similar picture here. Let's... And that for those who are not following Jesus, they, 
they also, as we all do, have sinful nature. And while a follower of Jesus, well, someone who's not following Jesus does not have the Spirit of God in them, Romans 1.20 tells us that everyone has the invisible qualities of God, the power of God is made known to everyone in some way. So even though a, someone who is not following Jesus does not have the Spirit of God in them, they have some knowledge of who God is in his power in creation. And, and it's true also that they might know some other followers of Christ who have the Spirit of God within them. So they see the Spirit of God in others. They experience something of a knowledge of God. And for the non-Christian, those things, even as they see this, these things are at war. This sinful nature and this knowledge of some Spirit of God or the Spirit of God they see in others. So this is what we experience, all of us, inside of us. And the reality is, it's not only inside of us, but as we mentioned, this is the reality all over the world around us. This battle between sin, nature, and spirit. I think of um, what I experience as a CASA volunteer when I walk into a room and I interact with children who have been abused and neglected and I hear their story and I interact with their parents and others involved in this. And what I see and mourn is this illustration of this battle between sin, nature, and spirit. You all know this as we look around the world, we see the war in Ukraine, and we see this illustration of this battle between sin, nature, and spirit. We see it, and when we look around our country and, and the world around us, when we look at human trafficking, we see this horrible battle between sin, nature, and the spirit. When you think of immigration and the horrors of how that does work out or how it's supposed to work out, we see again this battle between sin, nature, and the spirit. It is all around us. And if we think about it, we also recognize, sadly, that it's inside us, this battle. So it makes sense that we would cry out like Paul cries out, who will rescue me from this body of death? Who can heal this world of the pain and brokenness? We are <clears throat> stuck. We are jumping on the lug wrench and it's not budging. We are stuck and we need help. Paul also says a few things in this passage about the law. He says, the law is spiritual. That is, it's from the Spirit. It's from the Lord. And he says, we, that is the sinful nature in us, are not spiritual. Our sinful nature is not from the Spirit. It's from the choice Adam and Eve made and the choice that we all make. Our sinful nature is not from the Spirit. The law, which is from the Spirit, identifies our rebellion, which is sin. It calls it out. It sheds light on it. No, matter why no wonder why people don't like the law. It sheds light on our rebellion. The law identifies our rebellion. 
So you might say, well, what is the law? And God describes in Deuteronomy a summary of the law. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. God shares in, in Exodus, it's recorded how he shares to, with Moses 10 words or 10 commandments that are his law. He says, you can review them with me if you want. He says, um, you uh, should have no other gods before me. Don't bow down to other idols. You should not misuse the name of the Lord your God in vain. You should, not, um, you should keep the Sabbath day holy. You should honor your father and mother. You should not murder. You should not covet. You should not steal or lie or missed one. Commit adultery, maybe. Steal, lie. But anyway, you get the point. There's these laws. And then... And then in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus further unpacks those. And he says, it's not just uh, murder, but if you say you hate your brother, then you're guilty of murder. If you lust after a woman, you're guilty of adultery. If you love anyone or anything more than God, then you're guilty of idolatry. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Are we obeying the law? No, the law is exposing our rebellion. So we have a choice then. How are we going to respond to the law? I could respond by ignoring the law. I could come to the conclusion that, well, God doesn't exist or he doesn't care and it doesn't matter, so I'm just going to ignore the law. Or I could decide I'm going to keep the law or try if I just work hard enough, I can keep the law, I can earn my own way, and things will go all right. Or we can admit we're stuck. We can't do it. Back to the, the flat tire after what I think was probably an hour of sweating and trying and sweating and trying, I sat down by my car on the side of the road and I admitted I couldn't do it. I was stuck. So I called for help. The help took longer than I wanted it to. The person who came to help wasn't what I expected, but I was rescued. Paul tells us in, in, in Romans 6.23, he says this as we consider how are we going to respond to the law. Paul reminds us that the stakes are high when he says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So what he is saying when he says, the wages of sin is death. So for the person who's not following Christ, eventually, eventually that sinful nature is going to have complete victory. So as one lives a life and doesn't follow Jesus, then eventually sin nature is going to have victory. And what Paul says is the wages of that sin is death. That's eternal spiritual death. And he says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So for the person who follows Jesus, eventually what will have victory is the Spirit. As I follow Jesus, eventually the Spirit will have victory. And that's why Paul says the gift of God 
is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The trajectory of the person who follows Jesus is eternal spiritual life. So the stakes are high for the gift of, for the, for the wages of sin or death and the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you believe that? And, and what is this gift of God? How do we get this? How do we receive this gift? Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. So it's through faith that we get this gift, that we receive this gift. Romans 7.25 says, where Paul says, Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ. So it's through Jesus Christ, through faith, through Jesus Christ, that I can have this gift. But what did Jesus do? Romans 5.8 says, For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Colossians 1.21 further elaborates what that sacrificial death did, where we read this in Colossians. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. Jesus paid the price for our rebellion. He conquered death and he invites us to share in his life. We are stuck and he offers us rescue. For those who have not put faith in Christ, he is closer than you realize. He has been there offering rescue the whole time. You can step into that rescue by starting this conversation with him, this conversation where you acknowledge your need for him. This conversation could go like this, and I invite you to consider following along with me. God, I'm a sinner in need of rescue. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross to rescue me from my sin. And you rose to life and now invite me to share in your life. Jesus, I confess my sin and I commit to following you. Amen. If you've made this decision Today, or if you make this decision this week, I encourage you, I, I ask you to, to tell me about it. I'll be in the back of the welcome area after the service, and I'd love for you to come and, and tell me about the decision you've made and, and have the opportunity to pray with you. For all who have faith in Jesus, we were stuck in our rebellion, and the law identified our rebellion. It called it out. It shed light on us. And then by grace, through faith in Jesus, we are saved. That is the truth. I read recently that hope springs from truth rehearsed. I hope that that encourages you as you rehearse this truth this week in the midst of life difficulties. And when you do so, hope springs. I want to close by reading a few words, praying through a few words in Ephesians. And 
And as I do that, after I do that, I want to just give you some space to have some conversation with the Lord and then we'll sing in closing together. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely gives in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. <laughs>